Hello, I'm Rachel Hopkin, the host and producer of How Curious. And today we have a question from one of my colleagues, Hannah France, who's a reporter at the station. Is that your title? I am a reporter. Okay, yes. I think it's a reporter slash producer. Well, um, welcome. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so you had a question for How Curious. Yeah, so I was wondering, me and my friends were wondering about how it is that there's so few remaining lesbian bars in the country and why it seems like there's an unusually large concentration of them in Oklahoma. There's three of them, which is more than, you know, I certainly would have expected. When you think about where in the country there might be a higher concentration of lesbian bars, one thinks of New York City, one thinks of Portland, one thinks of San Francisco, um, probably not Oklahoma. Three lesbian bars in the whole of Oklahoma might not seem like that many, but it actually is comparatively. While there used to be hundreds of lesbian bars across the country just a few decades back, apparently only 24 remain. So many states have none at all, but the two which tie for top place with three are New York and Oklahoma. How'd that come to be? I couldn't think of two places that seem more different than New York and Oklahoma. Okay, I'll do my best for you. Thank you. Thank Please. you very much. Get for to the, the bottom of this for me. <laughs> I can't promise that, but I'll do something. Great. <laughs> Before I looked at Oklahoma specifically, I first wanted to find out more about why the steep reduction in lesbian bars generally. Hey, bitches. I'm Leah Delaria. Welcome to the Lesbian Bar Project, presented by Jägermeister. We've been telling you for the past well, two years that there aren't many lesbian bars left in the US. In fact, there are fewer than 30. But this isn't a sob story. That's an excerpt from the first episode of the Lesbian Bar Project's docu-series, which is currently showing on the Roku channel. The project was founded by filmmakers Elena Street and Erica Rose. Together, they've spent a lot of time investigating the decline. Here's Erica. There's definitely a mix of factors. I think the shift to online culture has really affected many different parts of our lives, not just the way in which we date, but also the way in which we consume information. And that has affected brick-and-mortar spaces. Dyke and lesbian bar owners have said forever that it's very hard to sustain the bars economically. This is sociologist Japonica Brown Saraceno. And I always remind people that lesbian bars, dyke bars have always had short lives. For as long as they've existed, they've struggled to exist. What's different in the landscape now is that when they close, it's much more frequent that a city doesn't have another bar open in its place. That was the pattern that existed for a long time. One would close, another would open. And I think we see that happening less. Frankie's is one of Oklahoma's lesbian bars. When I visited on a Thursday night, which is their regular darts night, the place was heaving. Frankie's is owned by Tracy and Anne Harris, and Tracy explained how they'd come to start the bar. This bar's only been here since May, but we had a previous bar with the same name a few blocks over, and we had met there back in the day. The place was called Partners 2, and it was a queer-friendly country music bar. And then after I retired, the person that owned that bar called me and asked me if I was interested in buying it. What made her think that you would be interested? Because 10 years before that, I had popped off, hey, if you ever sell the bar, let me know. And so when she called me and said, hey, do you remember that? I'm like, like 10 years ago? She said, yeah. 
Tracy and Anne purchased the place on October the 1st of 2017, and so Frankie's was born. It's now located on North May Avenue in the Venice neighborhood of Oklahoma City. The ease with which the bar and its clientele has found local acceptance differs from Tracy's early experience. She's somewhat older than Anne and first started frequenting OKC's queer spaces during the early 80s. It was still very anxiety producing in some ways to go to any kind of queer space. There was still a lot of hate. We couldn't park our cars on the street. Every bar had a parking lot behind the building. You never went anywhere alone. We had to sign in at every bar because they were tracking gay people in gay clubs. It was a much scarier, but yet thrilling experience because we finally found each other as a crowd. And of course at 20 you're invincible, so you're worried about those things, but they didn't keep us from going anywhere. Can you describe Frankie's for somebody who's never been here? I always say Frankie's is just a place to feel safe. It's a place to be who you are. We're not solely lesbian bar. Everyone's welcome here. During the week, we're basically like your neighborhood bar where they do happy hour and they play darts and they just hang out and then it kind of transforms on the weekends to more of a show bar. Our slogan is that everybody has a home at Frankie's. That's actually just the entire vision we had to start with. As I mentioned before, I visited Frankie's on Darts Night, but their Facebook page offers video clips of many of the shows they've hosted. A lot of them have doubled as fundraising events for local charities or for members of Frankie's clientele who are in need. One customer told me that in just the few years that Frankie's has been open, they've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars. Their entertainment lineup includes music gigs, drag queens or drag kings singing and or dancing, along with some rather risque comedy skits. Tucking your junk only gets you so far. Stuffing your bra doesn't work for romancing. Monica and Abby, who are engaged to be married, met at Frankie's. I asked how they described the vibe of the bar. Family. Absolutely, 100% family. I know that if I was having any kind of issues or if I just needed somebody to pick me up off the floor, I could call anybody in that bar. It's like the cheers of the lesbian community. <laughs> you walk in and everybody knows who you are. And even though it's a mainly lesbian bar, we have straight people coming in. We have gay men coming in. Mm -hmm. So it's a mix of everybody. It's funny, I came on Sunday because there was a bit of miscommunication and I thought that the interview was going to take place on Sunday. And I was here for about 30 minutes and everybody in the bar was a man. And I was like, this is a lesbian bar. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was actually here on Sunday. We, they, oh, did you see me? Yeah, yeah. Uh, now I'm talking with Gary. It was very predominantly male and gay and quite straight, actually. Garrett is from Oklahoma and both he and his husband perform as drag queens at Frankie's. I was in my early 20s when I finally came out of the closet. Oh my goodness, you were so old. <laughs> Nowadays it seems like it is, but I had friends that were around me that just kind of were like, hey, let's go see a drag show, and like we went, and it was definitely a culture shock. I grew up very religious, but pretty soon after that, I just had my chosen family. That's why gay bars are so important, is because this is where we find our chosen family. Scott is another member of that family. I'm just a straight guy. I'm a... Just a customer here, love the community, love the people, love supporting them. Scott told me that he actually prefers to frequent lesbian bars. I know where I stand, there's no confusion whatsoever. Yes, I'm friends with a lot of the girls here. Some of them do this thing with me that I like to call they play straight. 
they flirt with me, hug on me, and joke around about that. But you know, at the end of the night, I know they are 100% not interested in me. There's none of that tension there. It's actually kind of nice. Can I have a captain and diet? So coming back to Hannah's question of why New York and Oklahoma are in a tie for being the states which have the most lesbian bars with three apiece. This is something that the Lesbian Bar Project's Erica Rose and Alina Street both have ideas about. Assimilation in New York is definitely more present and we do have more of an abundance now of queer parties. So I think there's just more freedom and more acceptance. As to why there are three in Oklahoma, Erica, would you like to speak to that maybe? This is coming from not a strong institutional knowledge of Oklahoma. I've been there once and I actually have a couple of friends um, and my ex is from Oklahoma. But from my experience of talking to people there, it actually really makes sense when we talk about our bars and this project, we always frame them within their geographic location. So in a place like Oklahoma, what I was struck by when I was working in Oklahoma City is that I would you know, drive down the street and I would see a LGBTQ affirming church with a big rainbow flag. And then right next to it, the family I was working with, they would say, okay, well, conversion therapy happens right across the street. So when you're dealing with an environment that isn't solely antagonistic, but also not necessarily as accepting, the stakes is so much higher. Japonica Brown-Saracena has also reflected on this matter. There are different reasons why places might have a lot or not a lot of bars. You know, New York is a giant place with a really, really vibrant tourist industry. And that probably allows New York to still have three bars. But Oklahoma might have bars for a different reason. What I found in my research was that the places where people felt less secure and accepted, that they sought out those kinds of institutions. And I actually remember an informant in San Luis Obispo saying she was incredibly disappointed by the absence of lesbian bars in San Luis Obispo. And she said she'd lived in Oklahoma for a long time and that Oklahoma had spoiled her, that she expected that everywhere would have this vibrant lesbian bar scene. Frankie's regulars have opinions regarding this issue too, including Garrett. I think it is hilarious. (laughs) I think it is hilarious that one of the reddest states in the United States of America has three lesbian-owned bars here. Um, I think it also is a true testament to the community that we have here and how strong we are and how we will persevere no matter what is thrown at us. And we are in the Bible Belt. Yeah, we are in the Bible Belt. Now we're back with Monica and Abby. Even though Oklahoma City has probably one of the biggest, the tightest core group of gay people that you could probably ever find in America, we are surrounded by people that don't believe that being gay or being queer is a thing. I think the reason is a need. Of course, Frankie's owners, Tracy and Anne, have also thought about this. The reason there are the number of gay bars as a whole even, not just lesbian bars in Oklahoma and Oklahoma City, it's because we are a red state. And although we can, as a gay couple, go out to dinner somewhere and be accepted there by the persons that work there or the owners that own the establishment, the other people that are dining with us, they don't necessarily accept us the same way. And what's your vision going forward? We're going to stay the course. We're going to continue to welcome all kinds of people, as long as they're nice, and just continue to get that word out and let more and more people find us. I definitely hope that that is what happens. Well, that brings this episode of How Curious to a close, and I'm keeping my fingers crossed that my dear colleague Hannah France approves of my investigation. 
How Curious is a production of KGOU Public Radio. It's produced by me, Rachel Hopkin. The editor is Logan Layden, and David Gray composed our theme music. And please don't forget, if you have an Oklahoma-related question, please email us at curious at kgou.org. Race might be a hot topic right now, but for so many of us, talking about race is nothing new. On the Code Switch podcast from NPR, we go beyond the headlines and we go deep. Listen now.